Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. Our future is missing. Hi, this is Jason Chesler, host of Speaking of Sports, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for Christopher Fleming. He is 17 years old and went missing April 8, 2011 at 5 p.m. He is African-American and is from Richmond, Virginia. He is 5 foot 10 inches tall and weighs 145 pounds with black hair, brown eyes, and is considered an endangered runaway. He may be with a female companion and may have traveled to West Virginia. Christopher has a scar under his chin and his hair may be in braids. If you know of Christopher Fleming's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-5678. To see a picture of Christopher Fleming, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. It's sports from a kid's point of view. This is Behind the Line on the Voice America Kids channel. Now, here is your host. Hello and welcome to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Max Merkin and you're listening to show number eight here at Behind the Line. We have a great show for you today, but it carries a trend that will be apparent for the next few weeks. Because hockey, basketball, and football football are all out of season, baseball and golf will really become the focus in all sports. Baseball is America's national pastime, and it has a huge fan base, so nothing's really going to change there. But golf, on the other hand, has a smaller fan base, and it is shadowed by bigger sports like basketball and football. Now, I could give you the pros and cons of golf, but I'll get to the point. June 16th to 19th was the U.S. Open, hosted by the Congressional Country Club in Bethesda, Maryland. And most people were watching Roy McIlroy, the 22-year-old who blew the 56 will leave the Masters, shoot a sixth, a record 16 under par, and win the U.S. Open, and that's what we'll talk about first. The 2011 United States Open was the 111th in golf history, and it began Father's Day weekend. Rory McIlroy, who won the tournament, is from Northern Ireland, and he became the second Irishman in a row to win the U.S. Open. Graham McDowell won it last year. He set this is McElroy, set 11 U.S. Open records on the weekend, including the lowest 72-hole score, 268, and the lowest total under par, 16. Rory McElroy and Robert Garrigus became the fifth and sixth golfers in U.S. Open history to score under par in all four rounds, but Garrigus, I believe, shot four under, while McElroy shot 16 under. Now, the U.S. Open and the Masters and the two other major, and the other major tournaments really bring excitement and bring you know clutch golf and exciting golf but this year it really wasn't and Rory McIlroy is a great golfer and he is 22 so again the sky's the limit the one record that is pretty important that he did not break was the youngest player ever to win the US Open and Tiger Woods still holds that record but Rory McIlroy said something after 56 holes after the third day at the US Open and he said that he really let go of losing the Masters quickly he forgot all about it and I'm not saying he's wrong here but I, I can't believe a 22 year old who is was really the talk of the tournament who had the 56 hole lead was 
about to become the first golfer ever to hold the Masters lead from wire to wire, and he lost. And I, I really don't believe the fact that he forgot about it. He got a call from Greg Norman, who was a, a great golfer in his time, and Norman said to just forget about it. But really, you can't forget about something like that. It was a, a an absolute disaster. He shot an 80, and he didn't... And, you know, he, he bounced back, though. And as you could see from his stats at the U.S. Open, he had ice water in his veins. We're looking at some of the golfers that played in this tournament. And uh, the last 10 U.S. Open champions, Angel Cabrera, Michael Campbell, Jim Furyk, Lucas Glover, Rakeef Goosen, Graham McDowell, and Jeff Ogilvie all played. Tiger Woods withdrew due to a knee injury. And Tiger withdrew from TPC Sawgrass with a back injury. Everybody expected when he withdrew from this, it was because of the same injury, but it turned out being because he had a knee injury, and it kind of proves to you that he is getting older. And, you know, I guess we could talk about that because Rory McIlroy really is young, and he's 11 years younger than Tiger Woods. I still think that he really is, Tiger's really getting older, and everything that's happened here has really taken a toll on him. And it's sad to see that the best golfer in the world, in many people's hearts, is um, is getting older. And, you know, he didn't play this tournament. Rory McIlroy did. Who knows how Tiger would have done. He did have a lead for about eight minutes at the Masters. But, you know, looking at the first round, Rory McIlroy shot six under par. And he was leading after day one. Looking at the second round, he, was five un- he moved from six under par to 11 under par, so he shot five under. The third round was really his worst round, even though he did very well shooting three under par. And then his final round, he shot, he went from 14 under par to 16 under par, but he was at 18 under par for a while. He won $1.44 million. Now, Jason Day was another big story because he was in second place the whole time. And it's a, it's a pretty big story because he's from Australia, and we're seeing a lot of less... Uh, a lot of less American golfers really winning these tournaments, but he really was in se- he was in second place for a while. He won eight hundred sixty five thousand dollars. You know the the people tied for third. That's Robert Garrigus, who did shot under par the whole time. Lee Westwood, Y E A, and Kevin Chapel. They they gave him a good fight, but he really showed that he is as good as a second place golfer. And Rory McIlroy. You know, there's there's no comparison because it's the 111th U.S. Open, and he's he shot 16 under par, and nobody else has ever done that. So it is pretty amazing that Rory McIlroy can do this. And we're seeing a lot of golf now, as I said in the introduction. But really, golf is is a less popular sport than basketball and football and baseball and. It's going to become popular because Rory McIlroy, in my opinion, is going to turn into the next Tiger Woods. He's not as exciting, he's not as emotional, but he really is a great golfer. And fans really love great sports moments, whether it be cricket, lacrosse, golf, whatever. Fans like to watch great sporting events. I understand why people don't like golf. Because and golf is a gentleman's sport. It has been since the 1700s. It was, a, it was invented in Scotland, and really, you, you know, your etiquette's good, you shake hands, you don't spit, you walk, you don't run, you don't slam clubs to the ground, you don't 
punch yourself in the fist, you don't yell at yourself, you know, that's different from every other sport. And golf is a father-son game because a father can teach his son, hey, don't spit, have good etiquette. But in my opinion, I like to see somebody spit, pump their fist. I like to see somebody get excited, jump up, scream when they catch a touchdown pass or, you know, slam their back down when they get a pitch right down the middle and they pop it up. I like to see somebody get their uniform dirty or somebody slam a basketball through a basket. I do like golf, but I don't think a 300-yard drive and an applause like this really helps golf's popularity. If a guy's a 300-foot drive and you hear, you know, a little applause and he tips his cap, it's not as exciting as a guy hitting a walk-off home run, and it will never be. Golf will never be as exciting as other sports. And out of the top four sports, that would be hockey, baseball, basketball, football. Many people think baseball is the least exciting out of those four, and it, it is leaps and bounds more exciting than golf. Golf will, you know, keep becoming popular. It will, it will you know, it's like the snowball effect. Golf will really keep, you know, turning and becoming a popular sport, but it will never be in the top four sports. You know, we might talk about that a little later because, you know, the NBA, if you haven't heard, is locked out. And so is the NFL. So we'll, we'll talk about that in our third segment. But golf will never be in the top four sports. Uh, looking at the course layout at the Congressional Country Club, there were a total 7,574 yards. And the par was 71 for you know each four days. But you know, the, people say the, the hardest hole is, uh, I believe it's the, the ninth hole, is a 636-yard hole, and it's a par 5. And that's the last hole before you, you know, that's the last hole before you're done with half, the, with half your round. And Rory McIlroy, looking at, you know, what he did, I don't think he bogeyed any holes until the last day. And looking at the field, there's 156 people, and there were 72 after the cut. The cut was four over par, and Roy McIlroy, you know, we can't say enough about it. Looking at what he did before the Masters, he hadn't played golf in three weeks. He goes into the Masters. The night before, he didn't play practice round. He didn't go to bed early. He played football, American football for hours. The neighbors had to tell him to be quiet and hit the condo that he rented. Then he comes out, and he's leading after the first day. And it's kind of the feel-good story, the too-good-to-be-true story. People are saying, it's just a fluke. We'll lose it the second day. And he didn't. He didn't lose it the second day, and then they said the same thing. He didn't lose it the third day. Then the fourth round, the final round Sunday, where it's a make-or-break round. This is where boys and men split up. There's that saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I believed in McElroy. I did, because he did so well, and he just lost it. He shot an 80, and that's really tough, because he's so young, and it could really affect him. He's not a seasoned veteran. He's been playing golf since he was five, sure, but he's been playing professional golf at a major championship. If Lucas Glover, even, Graham McDowell, Tiger Woods was in his spot, it'd be cruising. If Tiger Woods was as good as Rory McIlroy at the point where he was leading in the final round, he would have kept that lead, but he wasn't. He did have the lead for eight minutes, as I said, and it's where do you see that McIlroy really needs seasoned uh he really needs to be seasoned, and he really needs to turn into a better golfer. He then went out and won the U.S. Open. You know, 
we, we really want to know what you think about Roy McIlroy, Tiger Woods, the U.S. Open. So you can email us your opinions at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com, uh, or you can find out about our show more at voiceamericakids.com. We're concluding our first segment here. We just talked about golf and the U.S. Open. We're about to talk about the College World Series. So stay tuned here on Behind the Lines. I'm Max Merkin, and you're listening here on the Voice America Kids Network. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. Action just doesn't stop. You're listening to Behind the Line on Voice America Kids. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Lines. You're listening here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Max Merkin. We recently just talked about Roy McIlroy and golf, and now we're going to shift into baseball, one of the other two sports that's really in season right now. But not Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball. We're going to shift into college baseball. We're going to talk about the 2011 College World Series, and it was an exciting one. It began on June 18, 2011, and concluded 10 days later on June 28. The University of South Carolina defeated the University of Florida by a 5-2 score in Omaha, Nebraska at TD Ameritrade Park. TD Ameritrade Park replaced Rosenblatt Stadium which hosted the College World Series from 1950 to 2010. The World Series is part of a collegiate ba- of the 2011 collegiate baseball season, and eight NCAA Division I college teams were competing through the tournament. It's the 65th College World Series overall, and the 62nd to be held in Omaha. 
George W. Bush at the ceremonial first pitch, and it was very exciting. It was an exciting World Series. Uh, Cal, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and Virginia all participated. North Carolina and South Carolina each had eight and ten College World Series appearances in their school history. That comes in second and third, but Texas, really the favorite here, they have 33 College World Series appearances, and many of them are under coach Augie Garrido. Augie Garrido just recently wrote a book called Life is Yours to Win. He is the winningest coach in Division I history, and he's still active, so he's very dangerous. You left Cal State Fullerton, and you moved to Texas, a very powerhouse baseball school, really the feel-good story. They had zero appearances. And they went pretty far in this bracket, but we'll take you through some notes so, uh, about this tournament. It was the first College World Series to feature eight schools from the BCS Automatic qualifying conferences. Three SEC, two ACC, two Big Ten, one Pac-10. The 87 event was the last with eight major... This The 87 College World Series event was the last with eight major football playing schools. Florida State, which played in the Metro Conference at the time. The SEC Eastern Division has three teams in the same College World Series for the first time, South Carolina, Florida, Vanderbilt. But we're not going to bore you with those notes for this whole segment. Let's take a look at the bracket. Cal and Virginia played, Texas A&M and South Carolina played. Then Texas and Florida played, and Vanderbilt and North Carolina played. Cal lost, as did Texas A&M, but Cal advanced to the second round after beating Texas A&M in the loser's bracket game. Make sure you know this is a double elimination tournament. And after moving to the loser's bracket, North Carolina beat Texas, and they moved on to the second round. Virginia, South Carolina faced off, and South Carolina won 7-1. to Virginia then played Cal, and Virginia won 8-1. to So they advanced. So Virginia and South Carolina advanced to meet each other again in the semifinals. Florida and Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt and North Carolina did the same thing. Florida beat Vandy, but then Vandy beat North Carolina. So we saw two games in the second round repeat in the semifinals. South Carolina beat Virginia, Florida beat Vanderbilt, and South Carolina went on to beat Florida. Florida won one game, South Carolina won two games, the best of three series. But, you know, this was a very exciting tournament. There were many Major League Baseball players, relatives in this tournament, former Major League Baseball players, Carl Yastrzemski's grandson, I believe, was in the tournament, a few others, but many, many first-round draft picks like Danny Holtzen were in this tournament. Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, UCLA's two star pitchers, were not. UCLA didn't really come close. Uh, Danny Holtzen did. Eric Johnson was a fourth-round pick, but Danny Holtzen didn't get a win in the first game. I don't believe he got a win throughout this tournament. Bucky Dent's son was also in this turn was also in the College World Series. And looking at the future, if we could, but you know, and at the NFL's locked out, the NBA is soon to be locked out, and who knows about the MLB because their CBA contract is up at the end of this season. We could have three out of the four major sports not being played. They could all be locked out. I would like them not to be, so would every other f- sports fan. We might be looking to college baseball later on in, you know, later on 2011, 2012, 2013, 
because we might not have Major League Baseball. We would just have to look to college baseball, trying to look for a lot of prospects that did well, um, looking at the conferences and how well they did. The Pac-10 was 1-2. and two. The SEC was 10-4, and four, so they were really the top of the tournament. The ACC was 3-4, and four, and the Big 12 was went 0-4. That is not so good. Looking at the final standing, South Carolina did not lose. Florida came in second, and they were 3-2. and two. Bandy and Virginia were tied at 2-2. Two and two. Cal and North Carolina were tied at 1-2. and two. And Texas A&M and Texas were tied at 0-2. All the all-tournament team, a huge honor to make. Matt Price, Michael Roth, Christian, Christian Walker, Scott Wingo, Cody Dent, as we said, Bucky Denson, Peter Mooney, Robert Barry, Tony Kemp, Connor Harold, Bryson Smith, Brady Thomas, and Scott Wingo, who we already said, but he was the most valuable player of the tournament. Um, notable players in this tournament, South Carolina pitcher Michael Roth had a 1.17 ERA in 38 and one-third college World Series innings. That is phenomenal. John Taylor made his 49th appearance of the season in Game 2 of the championship series between Florida and South Carolina. South Carolina first baseman Christian Walker was named to the 2011 College World Series All-Tournament team for the second consecutive year. That is truly amazing. When he becomes a junior or a senior, he will be a first or second rounder. The only repeat member of the All-Tournament team was him, Christian Walker, and he did it last year as well as this year. The entire South Carolina pitching staff gave up five earned runs in 51 innings of work for an absolute staggering 0.88 ERA. And looking at that stat, you had to know that that was going to happen. You had to know that South Carolina was going to win. It, it, you know, this was uh, a wonderful tournament, very exciting tournament. But the, really, the underdogs took control. Uh, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, who did win, were the favorites. But two out of the three teams didn't make it past the first round. Actually, Texas did. Didn't make it past the first round. North Carolina did. But, you know, looking into this, it's really going to be a tough road down the next few years in sports. But I, I'm in pretty shock. I'm in utter shock how excited this, how exciting this tournament was because you look at college sports and it's not exciting because there's no endorsements, there's no advertisement really of a specific team, and you're not allowed to sell rights to teams, you're not allowed to buy a jersey of your favorite college player. But really, it's it's not as exciting, but this College World Series was. And looking at what was going on at that time in Major League Baseball, the Red Sox and the Yankees, but this, this College World Series was you know really fun, and it was really great. It was the opening of TD Ameritrade Park, so that was a sad spot because, of course, Rosenblatt Stadium was gone. Um, it hosted the College World Series for 60 years. And it was really actually gone. Looking at this bracket, the finals were between South Carolina and Florida, as we said, but many people did not see that coming. There were four unranked teams in this tournament. Virginia was ranked number one overall. Florida was ranked two. North Carolina was ranked three. South Carolina was ranked four. It doesn't look like there was a fifth seed um, in Texas. Vanderbilt was ranked six, and Texas was ranked seven. Now, Cal, Texas A&M, they were 
unranked. They weren't in the rankings. They had phenomenal seasons. Cal came from behind a lot. So you had to think, well, how well are they going to do if they barely made it? They didn't do so well. They were 1-2. They lost to Virginia 8-1. to Danny Holton threw an absolute gem of a game. And really looking at this tournament, it was exciting. It was probably one of the most exciting tournaments we've seen all of this decade, I guess you could say. Um, the past 10 years really haven't done well in the College World Series. They've either been blowouts or complete upsets. And you don't like to see that in sports, at least I don't. I like to see really close down to the wire games. There were many walk-off wins in this one. And the College World Series is really an event that you out there should pay attention to because it is truly an exciting tournament. It is truly an exciting thing to watch. I really enjoyed it. It was broadcasted on ESPN. It's really popular now. It used to be one of those things that nobody cared about. It was just to declare a winner. Uh, we're wrapping up this segment here uh, on Behind the Lines talking about the College World Series. Once again, we're making you can it easier to listen opinions to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. So stay tuned for our next. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You just love your pets. But sometimes they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune into Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. The action just doesn't stop. You're listening to Behind the Line on Voice America Kids. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Max Merkin and you're listening to show number eight here at Behind the Lines. We've concluded two segments today. That was Roy McElroy in the U.S. Open 
and the College World Series, and now we're going to talk about the NBA lockout. We've seen what a lockout can look like. It's happening right now in the NFL, but we expected it to happen in the NBA, but not this soon. The season's barely over, and there's an NBA lockout, and it, it blindsided a lot of people. It took them by surprise because David Stern is such a good commissioner. He really does his job well, and he has for a very long time, unlike Roger Goodell, who I personally don't like, and I think he, he didn't handle his lockout well, but David Stern really looked to have a good strategy. And he did a press conference, and he, he kind of hinted to the fact that somebody else might replace him. I kind of feel like that would be an okay thing to do, replace David Stern. Um, it's kind of how uh, a pitcher's thrown eight and two-thirds innings, and he lets up a home run, and then you bring in the closer. And that's what they have to do right now. And if, if, they, if the owners don't want to replace David Stern, and David Stern feels he doesn't really need to be replaced, he still has some, something left in his tank, and at least bring in someone to help because after watching what's happened with the NFL lockout, we don't want to see this happen with the NBA because the NBA seemed like you could rely on. It seemed like it was really something that could hand, that the fans could handle and that the owners and players wouldn't really get into it um, because baseball might be going the same down the same road. Hockey did in 04 and 05, so hockey's really the only sturdy sport right now. But the NBA lockout is showing kind of a trend. We really wanted to try to get in the, the bankruptcy case in Los Angeles, and we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes uh, in this segment, actually. Uh, we're just concluding thoughts about the NBA lockout, and I, I'm kind of sad for it. I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do follow basketball pretty well. I know a lot about basketball, and it's really a fun sport to watch. It's exciting, especially in the postseason. If we're not going to have that next year, that's another sport. And it really makes you, makes you question what sports are coming to. Because everyone thought David Turner was reliable. Everybody thought that he was better than Bud Selig. And he was better than Roger Goodell. It turns out he can't handle it. It turns out that the lockout is upon us. And there's a week left. And after seeing what happened with football, one can only hope it's not as bad. But... You know, it, it can, you can go down two roads here. You can say, well, we've seen it with football. It's going to be really bad. It's gonna, we're going to experience it happening twice at one time. Or you could say, well, you know, I'm sure the NBA owners saw what happened in the NFL, and they're going to fix that. But who knows? Right now we're going to shift gears, though. You can email us your opinions, by the way, at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Uh, we'll try to get it on the air. You can talk to us about Roy McIlroy, the College World Series, or the NBA lockout, but we're going to shift gears right now, mid-segment, actually. That's just how we are here at Behind the Lines, and talk about Frank McCourt's bankruptcy. And uh, a few days ago, a huge headline on the Los Angeles Times stated, Frankruptcy, and that's what many people are referring to it as now. I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to say I'm unbiased here, I'm a Dodger fan. You know, I'm a very big Dodger fan, and the fact that I'm seeing this happening, not good. I'm a fan of baseball, I'm a fan of the game, but a Dodger fan nonetheless, and seeing this happen really is sad to me. He was never really a great owner, he was never 
fabulous, but he hired the right people, if that makes sense. He hired Manny Ramirez. His team went to the postseason twice in a row. He hired Joe Torre. And you really thought the sky was the limit for the Dodgers in 08 and 09. And then Manny's suspension hit, steroids, and his 50-game suspension hit. Juan Pierre filled in well, but he didn't. He wasn't a home run hitter anymore. He was a singles hitter. That is Manny Ramirez. And he left. He was claimed on waivers by the Chicago White Sox. And then he was a free agent after the season with Chicago. He signed a one-year, $2 million deal with the Rays. Awfully low for Manny. And he was caught taking steroids again. He was about to be served with a 100-game suspension, which would leave his which would leave his uh, salary this year for $100,000. I believe Manny still has some left in him, but if he wants to come back into baseball, he will have to serve that 100-game suspension again. That is as a player. But looking at the Dodgers' payroll, they owe Manny Ramirez more money than anyone else on their current payroll. And they owe guys like Manny Ramirez and Andrew Jones money. And frankly, I wish Andrew Jones didn't come to Los Angeles. I tried to forget, at least. hoped I forgot about Andrew Jones. Because at one point, Derek Lowe had a better batting average than him and more at-bats. It's really bad that Frank McCourt filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and he, he his team could be taken from him at any time. His team, the MLB could take over his team. And if they do that, well then, don't expect an off, not an off-season. Don't expect a, a good trading deadline from the Dodgers. Don't expect them to make many moves, because right now, Anything can happen. They're looking to trade Andre Ethier, uh, maybe Matt Kemp, a long shot, looking to trade guys like James Loney. You know what I think? I think that if MLB, the MLB takes over the Dodgers, then they're not going to trade Andre Ethier because that would reflect poorly on that. And honestly, the Dodgers had a good offseason. They did. You know, they got, they did what they needed to do. Ned Colletti said to the media, I need to go out, get two relief pitchers, a starter, and a third baseman. He went out, he got Mike McDougal, Matt Career, called up a few guys from AAA like Bobby Guerra. Um, he got Juan Uribe and John Garland. On paper, that looked great because Matt Career had 70-plus appearances in the past five years, each year. He was a, a very good pitcher, and Mike McDougal is a flamethrower. That wasn't the worst pickup you can have. John Garland, horrible pickup. He's been injured the whole season. And then Juan Uribe, um, not doing so well. He isn't doing well at all, actually. He has four home runs. And Ned Coletti just signed guys based on their past, and that wasn't the right the right way to do it at all. And, you know, based on how many acquisitions the Dodgers had, they had the best offseason in the MLB. But they're a third-place team in last place. They deserve to be third in this division. But in this division, the division being the National League West, and I think they need to trade guys like Juan Uribe and guys like Mike McDougal, perhaps. They they like Matt Guerrier. But the thing is, is if Ned Colletti said Juan Uribe signed this contract uh, three years, $80 million, they'd be in a deep hole because you can't trade a guy like that. He's batting just over the Mendoza line, that is 200, four home runs and 20-something RBIs. If the Dodgers signed him for more money than they did, three years, $21 million, they couldn't trade, but they can trade. They honestly can trade him, and I kind of hope they do because they can't handle him. He's in their lineup, and he's not producing. And Don Madden, he's batting in fifth, sixth in their lineup, 
and that's he should be batting ninth, and the pitcher should be batting in front of him. That's how bad he's doing this year. But I like Juan Uribe. I think he could, if he starts producing, the Dodgers won't trade him. Or they might. If he starts producing, he might have a, a higher card. But it's not looking good for Los Angeles. And Frank McCord filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in a court in Delaware. They gave him a settlement of $150 million to uh, continue paying out, making payroll for his team. They could, Frank McCord could lose the team at any time. And in 09, when he filed for divorce against Jamie McCourt, Dodgers took a nosedive. They did. And I think Frank McCourt could have gotten a Fox $3 billion deal signed had, in fact, he didn't say in, in public to the media, yes, uh, if Frank McCourt, this is what he said. He basically said to the media, if Bud Selig approves this deal with Fox, a $3 billion deal, I can pay off my wife. And when Bud Selig saw that, he re- it really raised a red flag for him because the fact that Frank McCourt's mixing business with personal life, and he's been doing this for a few years now, it said to Bud Selig, hey, deny this deal because it's not for the betterment of the team, it's for the betterment of Frank McCourt and his divorce and his lawyers and the judge. So it's really bad that this is happening. Um, and, if, you know, the MLB could really say, hey, Frank, you can't own this team anymore. You're ruining it. You're ruining it for L.A. It's the second biggest market in the MLB. And he's really killing it. They're in last place in the division. And for a second there, Frank McCourt filed for bankruptcy. The same day, the Dodgers were in Minnesota. They won 15 to nothing. So it looked like they would that would ignite the flame, but he didn't. They just scored 15 runs in a fluke game. And they're in last place now to the Padres, who have lost 18 one-run games this season. It's the Padres who nobody's even thought about. You know, and... I, I'm in shock. The Dodgers need a new owner, and Mark Cuban would be a pretty good, pretty good candidate for that. He uh, he doesn't look at this as a business. He has a lot of money, George Steinbrenner kind of money, and he looks at this to uh, for fun. He looks at this to help out a city, to help out the Dodgers. He would do that, and they would be able to sign some premier players if, in fact, he would own the team. I mean, there's millions of people that can own this team, maybe not millions, maybe thousands. And Mark Cuban would be a very good candidate for that because, you know, he knows how to do it. He just won a World Series with the Mavericks. And really, he would be a good candidate for this. I I hope Mark Cuban would own this team, but, you know, that's very wishful thinking. You're listening to our third segment here on Behind the Lines. We talked about Rory McIlroy in the College World Series and the NBA lockout as well as this. You can email us your opinions at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com or you can find out more information about our show at voiceamericakids.com. You're listening to show number eight here at Behind the Lines on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Max Merkin. Stay tuned for our fourth and final segment, the MLB All-Star Game. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Action just doesn't stop. You're listening to Behind the Line on Voice America Kids. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to show number eight here at Behind the Lines. I'm Max Merck and you're listening here on the Voice America Kids Network. We talked about golf and Rory McIlroy. We talked about the College World Series. We talked about the NBA lockout and the bankruptcy in L.A., and now we're on our fourth and final segment. But before we start, you can email us your opinions or pretty much anything here at Behind the Line, Voice America Kids at yahoo.com. Right now, we're going to talk about the MLB All-Star Game. And we're going to try to squeeze everything in, but there is a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to go through the schedule really quickly. 
Uh, July 10th at 6 Eastern Time is the Futures game in Phoenix, Arizona, and it will be on ESPN2. Uh, looking at the roster, let's just go through some of the big names. Kyle Gibson, uh, a pitcher in the Twins organization. He's with AAA Rochester right now. He was MLB Network's 40th prospect. Uh, Austin Romine of the Yankees, Chase Arnott of the Pirates. That's a pretty interesting one because he was just called up, so we'll see if he'll play. Bryce Harper, another big name. He's uh, an outfielder, and so is Mike Trout, who is the number one overall prospect. Now, the Futures game is a pretty big deal to players, and many people who played in the Futures game are now Major League Baseball players. Taking a look at the world here, you have Liam Hendricks, a second-year Futures game player. Um, Alex Liddy of the Mariners, Francisco Martinez, Starling Marte, uh, a few other guys that you hear, um, Lillian Rosario, uh, he's with Pulso right now, Colorado Rockies organization. So that's uh, the notables of your future game. Then the next day, Monday, July 11th, at 8 Eastern time, is the State Farm Home Run Derby, an interesting interesting new outline of the home run derby this year. Prince Fielder and David Ortiz are captains, and they pick three players to be on their team. Whichever league hits more home runs, wins, and $100,000 will be donated to the charity picked by the captain. As we said, Prince Fielder and David Ortiz are the captains of the league. Taking a look at the leader, the home run leaders in each league is Mark Teixeira and Matt Kemp Teixeira. Just his 300th career home run the other day. Taking a look, though, at all-star voting, at the starters, you will see the, the uh, votes are in. Voting ended Thursday, June 30th, and in first, for first baseman, Albert Pujols, the injured Albert Pujols, and no doubt Adrian Gonzalez. Second base, Ricky Weeks beat up Brandon Phillips, and Robinson Cano. Third base, probably the quietest vote-getter on this ballot is Placido, Polanco and Alex Rodriguez. Shortstop Troy Tulewiski and Derek Jeter. Catcher Brian McCann and Russell Martin. In the American League, he beat out Alex Avila. Outfielder Ryan Brown, the top vote getter in all of the All Star balloting. And Joey Bats, Jose Bautista. Outfielder Lance Berkman and Curtis Granderson of the Yankees. He is fourth, or tied for third in American League home runs. Outfielder Matt Holliday just beat out Matt Kemp, who will no doubt make it as a reserve. And Josh Hamilton in the American League. DHing in the American League is David Ortiz, and that is not applicable for the National League, although they will pick out a DH to start. They will pick out a DH for the starting lineup, so pitchers won't get injured in the All-Star game. Let's talk about the All-Star game right now, though. Um, looking at headlines... Jacoby Ellsbury closes in on Josh Hamilton, but he did not make it. Mike Trout of the Angels, top prospect, chosen to play outfield for the Futures game. Six Yankees, I believe. Let me just count. Yes, Cano, A-Rod, Jeter, Martin, Adrian uh, Robinson, Cano is one. Alex Rodriguez, two. Eric Jeter, three. Russell Martin, four. Curtis Granderson, five. So six Yankees did not make it. Five Yankees did. Any, still leading the most players of any team. Kirk Gibson, Kirk Gibson, yes, the Kirk Gibson, the D-back commander, is, was chosen to be on the National League staff for the All-Star game along with Bruce Bochy and Mike Quaddy, 
body filled in for Jim Riggleman, who resigned a few weeks ago. The All-Star Game, though, it's an interesting subject, because many people deserve to be in spots that they're not in. I love Derek Jeter. Do not get me wrong. Derek Jeter might be one of my favorite baseball players, because he's so good. He's been, he's classic. He's been good for 16 years, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. And um, to me, does not deserve to be a starter. Maybe doesn't even deserve to be on the All-Star team, except for the fact that he's a veteran presence for young guys like Ricky Weeks, Troy Kulowitzki, Ryan Braun, uh, younger guys in the American League. Like I guess you could say Josh Hamilton's pretty young, Robinson Cano's pretty young, but he's done it before. And now that you meant, now that I mentioned it, taking a look at the NL and AL, the National League has a lot of uh, younger players, more younger, less seasoned veterans than the American League does. Um, taking a look at Robinson Cano, been an all-star before, I don't think Ricky Weeks has. A-Rod and Polanco are both veterans, but I don't think Polanco's been a, an all-star. Jeter and Tulewitzki, there's no uh, comparison to that. Tulewitzki's a, a third-year player. Jeter's, Jeter is a 16-year player. Uh, Brian McCann and Russell Martin, pretty much even. Jose Bautista and Ryan Braun. Uh, Braun's been an all-star, I think, as many times as Bautista has. Berkman and Brandy Branderson. I think Berkman's a, a way more seasoned veteran. And Holiday and Josh Hamilton, pretty much the same. Now, I don't think Jeter deserves to be where he is. I think Asdrubal Cabrera should be there. But, you know, the fans vote on it, and uh, you want to keep the fans into it. So that's what they did. As we said, the Futures game is at 6 p.m. Eastern. The State Farm Home Run Derby is at 8 p.m. Eastern. And the 82nd All-Star Game is at 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on Tuesday, July 12th. The State Farm Home Run Derby, Monday, July 11th. Past results of the All-Star Game, believe it or not, the National League holds a 41-38-2 to edge lead over the American League, although the American League have the longest winning streak in All-Star Game history at 13. Now, look at this. Adrian Beltre, right, made the All-Star Game last year with Boston. He's a good enough reason to be frowning right now. He's one of many third basemen whose seasons make for tough All-Star selections, but he did not make it as a starter, probably will make it as a reserve, but you never know what Ron Washington and Joe Girardi will do. I think Ron Washington will pick him. I think Matt Kemp, not just because he's a Dodger, although that does help the fact, I think Matt Kemp should be and a starter, and Matt Holiday shouldn't. And it's Berkman putting together a wonderful year. Ryan Braun, the top votes in all of the major league in all of the major leagues. That's for a reason. But Matt Holiday, he's been injured for a month. I don't think he should make it. I don't think you know he should make it as a starter. Maybe as a reserve. But Matt Kemp leads in home runs, leads in RBIs, second in average, second in hits, sixth in stolen bases. He's an all-around player, but he's playing for a crummy team in Los Angeles. He's going through a bankruptcy file case right now, and they're not good enough. It's a political thing. If Matt Kemp were on the Yankees and somebody else wasn't, I don't know who would fill in for because Nick Swisher, Curtis Granderson, and Brett Gardner are all loved by the Yankees and Joe Girardi. But let's say Matt Kemp, hypothetically, you can play four outfielders. He's on the Yankees. There's no question he makes it. And he's got the same stats. Oh, my God. 
he would be one of the best premier players in the game. And he is, but he doesn't get enough credit for it. And that is the absolute sad fact, is that Matt Kemp is not going to be a starter in the All-Star game. He'll be there. Jay Bruce might not be, although actually he's fourth in home runs. Uh, the National League home runs look like, home run leaders look like this, Matt Kemp, Prince Fielder, Lance Kirkman, and Jay Bruce. That might be your National League home run derby team, as well as the American League, Teixeira, Bautista, Canerco, and Granderson. Now, one of those players might not make it. Four of those players might not make it. David Ortiz gets to pick, and it's not like um, somebody gets picked last here because Fielder and Ortiz aren't really you know, picking from the same team. They're picking from two separate ones. But I, I'd like to see Jay Bruce, Lance Berkman, and Matt Campy on Prince Fielder's team. Um, I'd like to see... Mark Teixeira, Jose Bautista, Paul Canerco, and Curtis Granderson be a captain, or be on one team, but Ortiz is the captain. And if you ask me, Canerco might not make it. It's either between Canerco or Granderson. Teixeira and Bautista are a lock, but who knows, you know? Ichiro said he'd like to be in the All-Star game. Ortiz can pick anyone. He could pick a guy who has no home runs in the All-Star game. But I believe if you pick a guy in the home run derby, he has to be an all-star. I'm not exactly sure, but I doubt Dave Ortiz would pick Michael Young, although he'll be there. Um, a guy who really doesn't have home runs. He wants to win. He wants to go for broke here, and so does Prince Fielder, because $100,000 will be donated to the winner's charity, and $25,000 will be donated to the loser's charity. So it's a great cause, and of course, if ever wins the all-star game, it's home field advantage for the uh, World Series. So, uh, you know, looking at the American League, Mark Teixeira, Paul Canerco, Mark Teixeira, or uh, Curtis Granderson, they might really hope the American League wins because when you think about it, they might be in the World Series. Um, so does Adrian Gonzalez for that matter because he'll be there too. He might perhaps be in the World Series. Anyway, you're listening to show number eight here at Behind the Lines. We are concluding, yes, sadly concluding, our eighth show. I'm Max Merck, and you're listening here on the Voice America Kids Network. We talked about Rory McIlroy and golf. We talked about the College World Series. We talked about the bankruptcy in Los Angeles and the uh, NBA lockout, and we talked about the All-Star Game. We thank you so much for listening. We're so glad you can make it. We're so glad you listened to our show. Uh, stay tuned for a later date for show number nine of Behind the Lines. I'm Max Merkin. You're listening on the Voice America Kids Network. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next time. That's the end of Regulation Play. Join us next week for another edition of Behind the Line, an insider's look at sports from a kid's point of view. We'll see you next week on Voice America Kids. to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.